Hey, Joes. Welcome to G.I. Joe, Roll American Headcast. I know it's a little late. I've been busy with life, and I'm about ready to release. It's a little behind also episode, I believe it's 58, of my Head Speaks podcast. I've joined the, what is it, the Marvel March, Mary Marvel Marching Society 2021 crossover. It's a new crossover that a lot of us comics podcasters are doing. We're looking at a Marvel Avengers-related uh, crossover book. Uh, this month, we're looking at Acts of Vengeance, and I'm looking at the Spider-Man title. Well, not title, but there's three Spider-Man books, and it crossed over like uh, three or four of the titles. So it's like 12 issues long, this crossover for Spider-Man. It's also known as the Cosmic Spider-Man, so uh, like a five-hour-long podcast. So because of that and the family and life and everything, I apologize for the delay, but enough chit-chat. Let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Larry Hama, and you're listening to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Yo, Joe. Codename for Aaron's daring, highly trained headcast. Its purpose to podcast about G.I. Joe, Fighting Cobra, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. Welcome to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. This is episode 36. As usual, I am your host, Aaron Brotherhead Moss. And joining me, as usual, I have uh, a couple of my regular crew. Joining me, we have Jared, the yard cell drawer guy. That is a prescription for danger. A.K.A. Death Probe. Hey, Jared. Well, hey, man, I tell you what I've decided to do for this episode. I'm going to come around behind the podcast, and then when you guys aim the podcast towards me, I'm going to go right past the podcast, double back on that podcast, and then I'm going to podcast from the rear of the front of the rear of your podcast. Hey, hey, you're not podcasting, you'll hear my rear. <laughs> it's just, just this is what you're in for. <laughs> okay, let me see. How do I cut Jared from here? Oh. <laughs> also joining us. We have the talented writer, Brad Abraham, a.k.a. Jared 2.0. Mommy and Daddy are making a better version of you. 
or as the screen says, Rad 1.0. When you when you said talented writer, I'm like, oh God, who else is joining us? And then I realized you were talking about me, and I am very flattered. Yes, but right. I but I will be sitting in my chair. I won't be doing all the ninja stuff that Jared's doing because because I'm tired <laughs> today. I just got back from the comic book store myself, so I got some work my energy off. Well, there you go. So, um, well, thanks for joining me, guys. Uh, Pat's got some family stuff, and Kevin's recording elsewhere, so it'll just be the, the three of us today. Nice little cozy chat. So here we're to talk about G.I. Joe, issue number 36, entitled All the Ships at Sea. The cover date was June of 1985. The on-sale date was March the 12th of 1985. The cover price was 75 cents. Writer and penciler, Larry Hama. Plus, it had three additional pencilers, Rod Wingham, Mark D. Bright, and Bob Camp. Two anchors of Andy Mushinsky and Michael Esposito. See, I always hear that song. Esposito! I always hear that song in my head when I say that from the long <laughs> And a uh, letter was Rich L. Parker, colorist George Russos, editor Dennis O'Neill, and the cover was done by Michael Golden. And this was reprinted in G.I. Joe Volume 4, Trade Paperback, along with the collection that Jared usually reads from. Uh, so this, this is a quick and easy synopsis for this one. There's a sea battle with the whale, the mores, and a lot of other sea craft. Fred Brock of the Second attempts to capture Scarlet, and Snake Eyes intervenes, intervenes, and as they battle, Fred's about ready to fall off the boat, grabs Snake Eyes' face, and pulls his mask off, and in horror, falls into the, the ocean. Quick and easy. Quick and dirty. Quick and something. So let's get some thought. <laughs> let's go and take a look at this. Uh, the cover of this, we start out, we got a red background. We see the uh, asp and the whale with a rattler in the sky. It's a real extreme close up on them, just duking out. Actually, there's a couple of rattlers up there. Let's get some thoughts on this. Let's go ahead and start with our resident artist. Jared, what are your thoughts on this, this cover? It's a unique cover. It's definitely memorable because of its uniqueness. It's it's very um, painted as opposed to your typical, you know, pencil to ink to coloring. This one, it, it almost feels hodgepodge because the asp kind of feels like it's 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 drawn traditionally and then everything else looks almost airbrushed. It's it very much screams Michael Golden era cover. You know, he was sort of experimental at this phase. And that does make it memorable, although I would say it's it's not one of my very favorites. It's still fine. It's just it's just a little too different for me. Well, fair enough. And I mean, I still like it. I want to be clear. I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> and Jared 2.0. Brad, what are your thoughts on this this cover? I love this cover. I think it's a, a beautifully painted cover and if i'm not mistaken it's probably the i think it's the last time they did a full painted cover on uh on this comic and those fully painted covers seem to be kind of a little hip trend going on in the middle of the 80s and then it just kind of went away which is unfortunate because i'm thinking further down the road of other covers that might have benefited from a treatment like this one and i'm not sure why they stopped maybe it was a cost thing probably more of a time thing as well um i don't know but it it shows off the action that we get in the book. Uh, it's got the whale 
hovercraft front and center, and we all know that the whale was and remains the best G.I. Joe vehicle of all time, and there's no debate about that. Um, I really enjoy this cover, and the, I didn't even realize it was Michael Golden uh, until Jared and you pointed it out, because um, in my copy of the original issue, it doesn't say who did the uh, cover art, and I couldn't see any sign of his signature or anything on it. But uh, Michael Golden is certainly one of my favorite artists of, of that era, uh, both on G.I. Joe and both on the NOM. So, uh, and I'm trying to remember if he ever illustrated an issue interior art of G.I. Joe, but uh, I'm, I am not recalling that right now. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. I want to say no, but I'm usually wrong, so we'll see. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do something crazy and agree with Aaron. I don't think he ever did a full issue of Joe, but again, I'd be happy to be wrong. If only there was some way we could find out some sort of worldwide web mm-hmm. of connected no. computers that might tell us. But what is this? The future? <laughs> <laughs> this strange future world of which you speak. Of jetpacks and World Wide Webs. <laughs> I still want my jetpack and my flying car. So uh, my thoughts on the cover, I'm right between you guys. Uh, and not in a good way. I mean, uh, <laughs> no, I, Watch I, out. I, I like this cover. Not as much as Brad does. It is. Uh, I do agree with uh, Jared the way, yeah, the, the, the asp is more traditionally drawn. And the, the everything else seems more. And that's why I was wondering if it was airbrushed or painted or how they did that effect, because the, the rattlers and the whale seem of a different piece, because it's, it's, the coloring's not quite. I want to say the coloring's a little off. I mean, it's colored properly, but it just the image itself it just kind of throws me off a little bit. The way the two pieces are done. Um, but again, not a bad cover. I enjoy it. I said I like Michael Golden, but and it is one I remember of this, but it's not my favorite. So let's go and get some numbers on this. Out of one to five, Yojo Colas. Uh, uh, J- uh, you, Jared, how many Yojo Colas would you give this one? I would give it if Joe November was here. I I know it's a different network, but I would give it three. And a half colas, uh, but you know, I don't think we do halves. Do you allow halvesies? I allow halvesies. Oh, like halvesies. Uh, this is refreshing. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> All right, I'll give it three and a half. Then I'll, I'll I'll three full cans, and I'll do another half can with a little ice in it, and there we go, three and a half. What about you, Brad? <laughs> I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a four. But I would say that's more like three Yojo Colas, and the fourth one is open, but it's sitting in the fridge for me to have later. Um, because I agree, I, I do like the cover a lot. I think it's quite a beautiful cover, and I wish there had been more covers of that painted variety. At the same time, it's not quite iconic, and it doesn't really ring as one of those covers that transcends space and time. You know, the ones that would look great blown up to poster size. Uh, it's a it's a great cover, and. Just, again, with the other painted covers, remembering seeing them on the newsstand or in the spinner rack, and they really did kind of leap out at you at the time. But maybe after this point, they realized G.I. Joe was one of their top sellers, and they didn't need to upsell it to get people to pick it up. It was just there. But, um, yeah, I'll give it a three with one saved for later, maybe to have after dinner. (laughs) The after dinner cola. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I will give this one, I want to go three and a half on this one. Again, I see it. It's not a bad one. It's just 
a little odd, I guess. So we've got some respectable numbers for this. Well, you know what? I would add that the fact, I think, is G.I. Joe was, you know, batting a thousand at this point in its run that even a, 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 a an average to pretty decent cover is still pretty pretty impressive it's it's not like they just kind of were phoning yeah. it in we, we haven't i don't think we've seen a two or anything close to a two <laughs> no i don't think we might ever see anything. <laughs> joe joe is rocking and rolling no pun intended and while we've been talking i've been using something called google actually mike's amazing world to look up and see uh to answer your question earlier brad mm-hmm. and yes it looks like he did do the interior art on gi joe yearbook number two yes yes was. now i remember that which is an excellent 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 issue with an excellent story in it and it looks like that's the only issue he actually did the interior of what i can tell so yes he did do one so let's go ahead and get some thoughts on the actual issue of gi joe itself oh yeah what you're here to talk about now you're talking about our kids and cats and horses and everything else uh, let's go and go to reverse order this time. Brad, do you have thoughts on this issue? I have many thoughts on this issue. Um, I am. I am going to share them right now. Um, this issue is probably one of my favorites of the 1985 run, even though it probably doesn't rank anywhere near the top of my all-time favorite Joe stories. I enjoy the action in this. Uh, I enjoy the pacing. I really like the that's that one, two, three rhythm of it from the the battle around the atoll to the battle on the Jane to the stuff on the Staten Island ferry. Um, of the three storylines there, I really enjoyed the Staten Island ferry part the most in part because I've ridden that ferry many times. And if you're ever looking for something fun and free to do in New York city, when New York city reopens, uh, the Staten Island ferry is actually one of those things that I do highly recommend. You can ride it across the, uh, the harbor and back for the, the price of a subway fare. Uh, you get some really nice views of the Statue of Liberty and Ellis Island and Governor's Island. And I will cop to the fact that every time I rode the Staten Island Ferry, I always flash back to issue 36, at least once. Uh, <laughs> although I have not ever tried the hot dogs that are served on the ferry. I'm not that brave. Um, and there just seems to be something a little unseemly about eating a, a commuter ferry hot dog. It's like, it's like gas station sushi. It's just, you're asking for trouble. Um, <laughs> but, um, I think it's what I like about this one is cause it's really just an action issue. Uh, it's a toy issue. It's a hardware issue. And that's all fine by me that nothing, every, not everything has to be part of some big overarching mythology that extends from this to all kinds of media like TV in particular. I like my standalone stories uh, as opposed to serialized ones. And this is, I think is a great standalone because it just, it focuses on a a theater of war, which is the ocean. And it just tells three different stories set in three different areas of, of the ocean. And I think it just has a lot of fun little twists and turns in it, uh, particularly with the Atoll battle and seeing all the characters kind of coming up against these these impossible odds and, and figuring a way out of them. And I think that uh, I really like that it answers a question in this issue, which is the existence of snake eyes rubber mask, which was raised back in 31, where we saw snake eyes in his cabin and the Sierra Nevadas without his mask and his face looked 
completely normal and everybody was all, oh, what's the what's the big secret? How's his face like that? And then it kind of gets answered here as a bit of a non-starter. And in the end, it's kind of obvious that it was just a mask. So it does make me wonder why Snake Eyes doesn't wear it more often when off duty. But in fact, it, in, it's kind of a clever, simple thing that Larry and the team threw in here that I think gives them some mileage down the road when Snake Eyes has to be out amongst the rest of us civilians and not draw attention to himself. So uh, yeah, this is a, this is a favorite. This is this is a, a really solid issue uh, in the run. As I said off the beginning, not the best issue overall, but I think as issues go, it's got a lot to admire. Very good. And uh, the Death Probe guy. Jared, it's you. I uh, didn't read it. I'm not surprised. (laughs) But based off of what Brad said, I like the ocean parts and the thing on the ferry. I like hot dogs. (laughs) No further questions. No, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, Very much the feel of a filler issue, you know? And I think that just guessing here, that's probably what was going on. Because you saw there was so many people... I think four pencilers, three, four pencilers, two anchors. It really kind of felt like, hey, let's just make this quick deadline. We'll, we'll, we'll do this fast issue. Will everybody will get in, involved? We'll get that out while we're working on our bigger story arc to come. And I think that's what's happening here. And yeah, every once in a while, just kind of a quick wheel spinner. You know, over on G.I. Joe Chronicles with, with Pat and I, we did one of these was a two issue uh, kind of a a reset between big storylines. So I think I agree with Brad every once in a while, a kind of a, a quick one hitter is okay, especially when it allows us to focus on characters that don't get a lot of focus, like cutter and um, the deep six, even though he, I've, I've never liked this version of deep six. He's such a cold fish. Like he's no fun to be around. Um, the only other final kind of bugaboo I have about it. And that's a strong word, but just something that's always bothered me is that the Jane shows up several times in the comics and never on my toy shelf. And that always bothered me. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of missed opportunities for toys. Uh, but no, yeah, I agree with both you guys. Oddly enough. No, this is, a, yeah, this does very much come across as a filler issue, but that's not a bad thing. Sometimes, you know, you would get these big long arcs and then you'll take a little, little palate cleanse, a little break for either, a one shot or something that doesn't really directly affect what's going on. What and I agree with Jared. I'm pretty sure this is probably a filler issue, being how there's you know four four uh, pencilers and three inkers and a partridge and a pear tree. It just yeah it comes across very much as Larry needed a little more time to work on the overall story. And yeah. you have a thought there, Brett? Yeah, I would almost add to what Jared had said about, you know, as a filler issue and you, uh, Aaron, pointing out all the different people who worked on it as pencils and inks. And if you look at it really closely, um, the, the, the first storyline, which is introduced, which is um, the Jane at sea and then the hovercraft uh, at the atoll. And then you can compare it to the art that's in the uh, fairy scenes. It looks a little different. I have a feeling that, maybe Larry was doing the uh, Staten Island stuff because it represents a small portion of the book. Um, the, mm-hmm. the Jane, the Jane and the whale, they're all kind of part of the same storyline. Whereas the, um, the Staten Island fairy stuff is a little more contained and it kind of has a bit more of a feel of something particularly in the way the action is staged that smells a little more like Larry doing his thing. Cause he, there's certain ways he stages action that look 
uniquely him, I guess, um, particularly in the, the sort of the, 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 the fisticuffs and the shooting towards the end, which uh, has a bit more of a feel and a vibe for him. But um, as a filler, I do agree with you both, though, that um, it definitely has that feel. And that really gets to my only real complaint I have about this issue, which isn't really a complaint. But the fact that, you know, issue 33 ended on such a cliffhanger, we've gone now three issues uh, without any thing of a continuation of that storyline, that revelation of Billy being Cobra Commander's son. And the weight really did feel interminable back in 1985. Not so much now when you can just read a comic, pop it back in the long box and grab the next one or turn to the next page in the, in the, in the trade edition or whatever format you're reading in. But when you were, you know, 10, 11 years old, comic book fan on a month to month wait another month with no billy and no cobra commander was another month of waiting which was really hard for a kid i remember being quite difficult on me because every time i'd go to the store to get a new gi joe they still hadn't gotten any further on with that storyline it was getting a little a little annoying you're thinking when's this gonna when's it gonna come back to start answering all those questions we want and, and i think we still have to wait another couple issues before that happens so yeah, that's almost yeah, half that's, the year next month yeah. another kind of fill in yeah yeah the twins yeah. So. Oh yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we'll get to the twins. We'll get to the twins in in, in good time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, nice. No, and I think part I, I agree with you guys that Larry probably did the Staten Island part of the story, also because that kind of out of these three stories, that one's kind of got more lasting repercussions. That one actually ties into the larger narrative of you know what Snake Eyes is the whole. Mm-hmm. Fred Brock the second that's going to come back later. That's right. And that continues even to today. I think with uh, the real American hero yeah. continuation through IDW, uh, just, you're right. Like a lot of this stuff in this issue tracks to what's happening in the comic now in 2021. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why I agree with you guys that Larry probably did that portion of it. I do would like to give kudos though, because with, I think it was literally what one, two, it was four pencilers and two inkers. The comic still flows nice. I mean, like you said, the real only noticeable difference is the fairy stuff. And it was smart to put a different art team for a different scene. And even then it's not far off. The the book doesn't feel terribly disjointed at all. I think that's pretty impressive for six people putting pencils and inks on this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, very much so. So any other thoughts on this issue, oh, uh, Jared? No, no. Just wish they'd made a Jane vehicle that I could have had as a kid. Other than that, no, it's uh, it's just fine. Good little wheel spinner and uh, nothing wrong with it. And Brad? I, too, wish they'd made a Jane back as a toy in the 80s. I also would have settled for a, uh, a C-130 Hercules that you could drive the vamp and possibly the Mobot into. But I had to go. You know, we had to go without that. Uh, unfortunately, but no, this is, this is a fun issue. And, you know, I've, I've long held that the golden age to me of this comic was issues 21 to 33, that 12 month span. But aside from one misstep, which may be coming up soon, um, the 12 issues of 1985 are also still really solid. Maybe not quite as classic as that 
that uh, 84 to 85, but 85 to 86 is pretty, is, is pretty memorable. And it contains some you know, great writing and great plotting. And here it really feels like they've kind of settled into a groove now with the toy and with the comic and knowing where this story is going to be going for the next year, year and a half. Uh, it's going to be a pretty fun ride. And I think most would argue that 84 to 86 was kind of peak GI Joe for the comic and the toy and the cartoon. So it's kind of fun being in the middle of all that again. And, oh, I would add that there's no Zartan in this issue. So automatically, (laughs) you know, it gets the, it gets the thumbs up from this curmudgeon over here. Or was there, (laughs) (laughs) there was masks being pulled off. You know, it could have been, it could have been. Yeah, I've got a feeling Brad's not going to be happy with this episode of the cartoon. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We shall see. And yeah, I say as far as, yeah, the the story itself, yeah, you guys have summed up everything nicely. It's, yeah, it's just a great little one-off, but still has some lasting repercussions. And also even the main story about the atoll, there's, this has repercussions for the near future also. You know, yeah, yeah. We're officers after the you know they get totally wiped out. The Joes win. They're taken off. They're like, hey, this is a win. They didn't under, they didn't find our actual operation here. What we're actually covering up. So that's all good. So it leaves a bit more of a mystery to solve in the future. Also, so so let's go ahead and get the real American here for this issue. That is the Joe or Cobra or someone else in this issue that you think deserves special credit or uh, extra recognition. Uh, Jared, do you have a real American hero for this issue? Man, it's really spread out on this one. I guess um, I'll go with Torpedo taking the bull by the horns there at the Atoll or Atoll or I'm not really sure how to pronounce it at that donut shaped island thing. <laughs> I mean, he was all business. He was all leadership. He 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 did what he wanted to do and was successful in a tough spot. So, yeah, I'll give it to Torpedo. What about you, Brad? Oh, well, I would say I'm going to pick a Cobra. I'm going to pick a Cobra here and I'm going to say that it's Fred. I, I almost 2.0. picked. I almost picked Fred two point oh <laughs> because I mean it's partially because of the revelations that come with the character down the road, but also because you have him as a Crimson Guardsman doing what Crimson Guardsmen are supposed to be, which is undercover. Uh, even though he kind of hired some goons, or his, his fellow Crimson Guard goons look like extras from a from a bad gangster movie. Uh, wearing their little their little trilby hats and you know chewing on toothpicks and stuff like that, but uh, Dick Tracy but, you was know, doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> but you know he throws himself into the action, and there's a lot of fun gunplay on the ferry, and and he kind of gets his moment in the sun, and in his moment taking a dip into the New York City Harbor, um, and you know you kind of feel like okay is he gone because he sort of sinks beneath the surface, but you know then he comes back a couple issues down the road, and you know he he sort of proves his resilience and in this uh in this issue and in this run and, and throughout the story and so i I'll, I'll i'll give it to him you know he he had to take a dip in the uh in the bay which is not fun and he didn't even get a hot dog so you know we got to give him something <laughs> i tell you what though he did square off against snake eyes and scarlet two of the most formidable joes and he he did okay i mean he didn't yeah. win but he did better than most <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
True story. And like Jerry was saying, there, there's quite a bit in here. People, you know, deserve recognition. There, there was a lot of good action and people did a lot of good stuff. I, part of me wanted to give it to Fred uh, the second. Uh, part of me wanted to give it to Snake Eyes because, again, he's he, but he's kind of the obvious choice, Snake Eyes. And so I finally settled on Cutter. Again, calling it, the ship's going down. He's called ahead for reinforcements to get someone to pick him up. Nice. So they're not all stuck on the whale trying to get back to shore. <laughs> That's beat up and fired upon and limping along, apparently. So, yes, yeah, so I'm going to give my Real American Herald to Cutter. Now, let's go ahead and move on to the next segment of the show where we look at a page of art. Again, I've stolen this from another show I, I listened to. Uh, quit looking around. We're up now, Jared. Uh, uh, this is uh, one page of art out of here. That this book, if you have the original page of art, which page of art would it be? Uh, this time, let's start with Brad. Brad, is there a page of art that you want out of this book? Uh, I want page 16, which is this one of Fred diving heroically and stupidly off of the, I guess, like the, the wrought iron staircase at the Staten Island Ferry, shooting at snake eyes and them. Um, grappling there's a click 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 there's an arg there's a womp and there's a clang as the door flies open um it's i i I think it's a larry hama it has that feel of larry hama uh his artwork and the the way he breaks down a scene uh it's all action uh which makes a a great piece of artwork just to stick on your wall i also like it because what the hell is fred thinking throwing himself face down a fairy staircase (laughs) yeah how does he land without braining himself and breaking his neck i don't know it's the only kind of action that really works in the comic. But I like this page because of the very last panel of Snake Eyes holding Fred by the tie, dangling out the side of the ferry door. Because in the background, we see the Statue of Liberty surrounded by a scaffold. And for those of us who were around back then, those of us who remember, that was when they were doing their big cleaning and restoration of the Statue of Liberty. And which really, the scaffold really kind of pegs this to the year, but also because when I first visited New York City, which was in 1985, I remember seeing the Statue of Liberty surrounded by scaffolding, and it kind of it kind of imprinted on my memory. So it's a nice little this would be a nice little moment of that trip and seeing it, but also of this comic as well. So that's why I would pick 16, and that's why you guys can't. <laughs> <laughs> Jared, since I didn't read it, I'm going to say I don't know six. <laughs> just kidding uh content page three i'm going with because it has a really good drawing of the whale at the top and then i was just like snow job and torpedo has got to be a duo that we will never see again because <laughs> that is an odd mix of joes right there maybe i'm wrong maybe they duo it up again at some other point but i was like that is like the snow guy and the, and the scuba guy that's um that's interesting so i think there's a lot of co- comedic potential there that that larry could have played with by matching two joes that don't go together but i thought this this has got to be a rare moment and that's clearly depicted on the page so yeah uh, page three, really good drawing of the whale and uh, a little bit of snow job and torpedo together. <laughs> My first choice was going to be page 16. Uh, but then I looked at another page and I'm going to take the the next page as far as story wise. Page 19, the continuation of uh, Brad's page. That's the one where we start out with uh, Snake Eyes holding Fred the second out the w- door. And he's grabbing, he pulls Snake Eyes' mask off and then just falls into the ocean. 
And then the fairies riding off into the sunset. Again, not as action-y pack as what you guys pick, but it's a little more... I don't know. I just I like the fact that you know he's pulling off. We see that it's, it's a mask that Snake Eyes is wearing. We still don't see his real face, and we we see the the end in quotes of, of Fred Brock of the second. So that's the one I'm going for. That's a good choice. And uh, so, unless you guys have anything else about this issue, you guys want to mention or talk about? I have one question, Aaron. Yes, sir. As you know, I'm reading mine out of the IDW Complete Collection hardcovers. Yes. And in these, they put them, as we talked about, they put them in order. And then if they ever released a, a half issue, they right. are also in its proper place. After this is 36.5, which is a half issue. I believe it was released with some action figures on the yeah. 25th anniversary release. Are you intending to do that next? Or are you sticking strictly Marvel Run? Uh, well, I'm sticking strictly to Marvel Run just because I don't have those half issues. Roger that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just I noticed have- that that next one up in the book here was a half issue. And I was like, I wonder if Aaron's going to hit that or if he's going to, because I mean, you could, that's where it fits in the timeline, but then you could always right. do it when it actually got printed, which was during the 25th anniversary. So yeah, no, no. If I had those half issues, I would do them, you know, as they come up continuity wise, but yeah, I don't have any of them. I've got a copy of, uh, what was it? 20, 20, 21 the silent issue half. Yeah. yeah. I've got a, a digital copy of that, but I haven't been able to find the rest of them, so. I understand. Gotcha. No worries. And like I said, if I ever get with my hands on, I may cover them in a special episode or something. Maybe on Bravo Team will cover about if I. That makes good it. sense. Yeah, it's good <laughs> sense. So, anyways, uh, any other thoughts on this, uh, Brad? No, no. I think everything I could possibly say about it has been said, and then some. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to get some Yojo Colas, and we'll be right back to look at the cartoon. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. There was an idea. To bring together a group of remarkable people. To see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could make the podcasts. That they never could. In time, you will know what it is like to cross over. To feel so desperately that the comic is right, yet to fail all the same. Dread it. Run from it. March 2021 still arrives. Evacuate the network. Engage all defenses. Get this man a cold Mountain Dew. Ooh, a cold Mountain Dew. I haven't tried one of those. Nah, nah, nah. Make it warm. Thank you. Sun isn't something one considers when podcasting an event. But this... (laughs) 
does put a smile on my face. You guys. The Merry Marvel Marching Society. We don't know where we're going, but we're on the way. A podcasting crossover mega event in the spirit of JL May. Coming in March 2021. Covering Marvel's fall crossover event. Of vengeance. A cabal of evil threatens the Avengers and the entire Marvel Universe. Doctor Doom, the Red Skull, Kingpin, Doctor Doom, Magneto, the Wizard, Doctor Doom, the Mandarin, and Doctor Doom have banded together to pit Earth's mightiest heroes against foes they have never faced before. An array of heroes face enemies they are totally unfamiliar with. But who is secretly pulling the vengeful cabal's strings? And can the Avengers take down the true mastermind before his hidden scheme succeeds? Featuring podcasts from Third Degree Burn, Back to the Bins, Avenger Spotlight, Coffee and Comics, Comic Book Time Machine, Doom Speak, Fan Holes Podcast, Fire and Water Podcast Network, Head Speaks, Into the Weird, Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. Longbox Crusade, Married with Comics, The Quantum Cast, Resurrections, an Adam Warlock podcast, Rolled Spine Podcasts, and Views from the Longbox. Marching its way to your favorite podcatchers and hosting sites in 2021. Act of Vengeance, a true story. Alexander Hamilton, Aaron Burr. If you're a history lover or a musical lover, you probably know about both Hamilton and Burr's rise to power in the early stages of American history and their infamous duel. But what if you didn't know the full story? What if one of them was a werewolf? White Rocket Entertainment proudly presents a 48-page full-color comic book, Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Written by Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist. Art by Nate Niles. Colors by Ace Wheely and Ken Solomon. Letters by Percival Constantine and edited by Johanna Albrecht. Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale. Available digitally on Kindle and Comics Central. C-O-M-I-X Central. Prefer a print copy? Hamilton vs. Burr, A Werewolf Tale, along with my other published works, are available at theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. That's theyardsaleartist.bigcartel.com. Or you can buy it directly from me, Jared Albrecht, the art sale artist, at any of my Comic-Con appearances. Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale. Get your copy today. You won't regret it. Don't take my word for it. Here's what Ming Chen from AMC's TV series Comic Book Men had to say about it. I really enjoyed it. A lot of great werewolf scenes in here. A lot of great... Uh, this is how I wish history would be told to kids. <laughs> <laughs> Books like a- a Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale. That's Hamilton vs. Burr, a werewolf tale.
thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. We like to continue to feed your ears by inviting you to listen to the Fandom Podcast Network and all of the other awesome shows we have to offer. It starts with our flagship show, Culture Clash, our weekly pop culture news podcast. Blood Kings, our Highlander podcast. Couch Potato Theater, our podcast celebrating our favorite movies. Time Warp, the Fandom Flashback podcast discussing a year in movies and our favorite pop culture topics. Enzo, the NFL podcast. Good Evening, an Alfred Hitchcock podcast. Union Federation, our Star Trek and Orville podcast. Hair Metal, the 80s and early 90s rock metal podcast. Type 40, our Doctor Who podcast. Lethal Mullet, a 1980s and 90s action film podcast. What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast. And our newest show, Making Treks, a new Star Trek podcast. The deep dive into the final frontier with host Mark Newbold and Adam P. O'Brien. You can enjoy all of these great Fandom Podcast Network shows on our master feed at fpnet.podbean.com. Fandom Podcast Network is also on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also find us on Facebook under Fandom Podcast Network. You can also email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under Fandom Podcast Network. Thank you for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. Welcome back to G.I. Joe, a real American headcast. Now we're going to look at the cartoon. Yo, Joe! He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe is there. G.I. Joe G.I. Joe is there. It's G.I. Joe against Cobra the enemy, fighting to save the day. Never gets up, he's always there, fighting for freedom over land and air. G.I. Joe! the code name for America's daring, highly trained special mission force. Its purpose, to defend human freedom against COBRA, a ruthless terrorist organization determined to rule the world. He never gives up, he'll stay till the fight's won. G.I. Joe will dare. G.I. Joe This was Battle for the Train of Gold. Written by David Karen Karen, first aired on October the 16th, 1985. So here is a synopsis for this episode. Major Blood steals information from the U.S. printing press, which tells Cobra how to get into Fort Knox. After General Stack refuses the Joe's help in defending Fort Knox, Zartan is able to get inside and order the guards out, leaving Cobra free to take all the gold, except for one block, out the back. Loading to the bullet train along with Duke, Snake Eyes, and Scarlet, Cobra heads to the coast. Meanwhile, the Joes borrow some thoroughbreds to chase the bullet train. On the train, Brad's favorite, the Dreadnoughts and Zartan, oh, cause the train to derail. Well, actually, I guess just the Dreadnoughts. Cause the to derail, which I wasn't able to walk away from. Zartan and the Dreadnoughts steal a dragonfly to get away. The story ends with Gung Ho once again being thrown from his horse and driving away in an all striker. The end. So, gentlemen, I'm assuming 
I'm assuming Brad watched this episode and Jared didn't. Oh, oh, oh Jared's got notes. Oh. Surprise, surprise, surprise. I do. Yes, I you. do. Let him go. Let's go ahead and uh, we'll all take a break while Jared reads his notes. <laughs> I'm happy to do so. There's only uh, like nine bullets this time. Uh, bullet number one. Snake Eyes is very incognito at the printing press. <laughs> Full mask on. (laughs) Bullet two. When they're calling around on the walkie-talkies, everybody's checking in. It's like, Duke's checking in at the top of the balcony. And then cover girl's like, I'm checking in. There's nothing to see here. And then Thunder checks in after her and says, also nothing to see. He's literally eight feet away from cover girl. (laughs) I don't think we needed your radio check-in Thunder. (laughs) Not the same thing. (laughs) All right. Okay. So Duke gets taken out by the bomb that's put on the safe. And my note says, Duke should have stood somewhere that was more safe. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I got puns in my list today. <laughs> then I wrote down, oh, snap, this is the plot from Goldfinger. <laughs> Ended up not being exactly Goldfinger, but it was it was close. Uh, this one's a shout out for Brad, I think, but it's also true. Fat Zartan is my favorite Zartan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Ah, this one puzzled me. I, I wrote, so they just parked a bunch of Sky Strikers next to Fort Knox. They had like, I don't know, six, eight of them out there. And then exactly what you think would happen, happen. As we used to say in the Air Force, do you know what you call an airplane on the ground? A target. And they just put them all out there. They're like, oh, crap, we didn't expect Cobra to come in the air. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway, uh, I like this note. It says, this episode proves more than ever that no matter how bad the Joe's plans are, Cobras are worse. (laughs) Because Joe's planning was crap, and Cobra still got defeated. Yeah. Yeah. I okay, here's here's a bullet for you. I almost made fun of Thunder's convenient friend down the road. But then I thought back to my military time, and whenever there was a group of us military guys, somebody always did have a friend nearby. <laughs> it's weird how that works out. So I'm gonna get them some slack on that one. This was my favorite moment of the cartoon. I'm certain this is in everybody's notes. Gung Ho fell off his horse the first time he got on it because of nothing. The horse did not move. <laughs> Nothing happened at all. He climbed up and immediately fell off. Yeah. I'm still laughing about that. <laughs> climbed up, fell right off, and the horse didn't even move. And my last bullet says, Cobra's train looks awesome. That's it. Very good. Good notes there, Jared. I like that. Rad. Do you have notes? I have notes. <laughs> they are on my computer. I do not have the paper handy. Yeah, I'll do um, here. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. There we go. Well, I thought this one was a pretty fun episode overall. Um, we don't get a grounded episode of G.I. Joe very often. When I say grounded, I mean grounded with air quotes and everything. Um uh, but, you know, there were no travels into space. There were no magic carpets or magic swords. There were no fluffy mutants. It was gold theft, a train, and action. Uh, but, of course, it was not without its 
little groaners, uh, of which I will detail now in bullet point form as well. Only I have five uh, to Jared's nine. You know. All right, we're working nine to five. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And I stumble to the kitchen Pour myself a cup of ambition And yawn and stretch and try to come to life Jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping Out on the streets the traffic starts jumping With folks like me on the job from nine to five Working nine to five What a way to make a living Barely getting by It's all taking and no giving They just use your mind Well, the first one is, why go to the trouble of introducing General Stack, then having him get grabbed by the Dreadnoughts and Zartan, having Zartan disguise himself as Snack, as Snack, Stack, General Stack. <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he was, he was he'd, he'd, he'd been hitting the PX a lot, you know, he'd been loading up on the candy bars, so... <laughs> His subordinates probably gave him that nickname too. But, <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> but you know, having introducing the general, having him grabbed, have Zartan disguise himself as the general, then reveal, "Ha, I'm Zartan." A minute later, seems a little unnecessary when having stack, you know, air quotes stack off the top, then answering the question, "Where is Cobra?" by him dramatically ripping his mask off would have been maybe a little bit more of a surprise. So Cobra really needs to work on the. You know what we call in the writing business, call you know telegraphing your plot points a little too much. You know they need they need they need to be a little more subtle there. The plan, and I'm doing another air quote here, uh, to ship the gold by train to the coast is a typically Cobra way of planning things and thinking things through. Because the last time I checked, and I did check, uh, Fort Knox is about 700 to 800 miles from the ocean. Not a lot of coastline in Kentucky. It's, it's Kentucky. It's it's Kentucky. Uh, you know, that's an awful long journey by rail to the ocean. But, <laughs> but, but okay, they do establish, they do establish that the train goes 200 miles per hour because to a, a 10 or 11-year-old kid watching uh, G.I. Joe at home in 1985, 200 miles is really fast. Uh, and that's a seven and eight hundred mile journey. So okay, four hours. That's pretty quick. But you know they have to load the gold onto the train, and then when they get to their destination, they have to load the gold onto a ship. It's going to take a while. It's like the slowest getaway in crime history. It's this is the climax to the Clint Eastwood movie The Gauntlet, where the prison bus is very slowly rolling down the road, <laughs> and all the cops and the crooked cops are standing there blasting away at it. It's 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 it, it, they didn't think it through, is what I'm saying. They did not think it through, and that is totally on brand for Cobra, who never dreamt up a plan that wasn't needlessly, needlessly overcomplicated. Uh, but that train but, looked good. The, you know what? The train... I'll, you know what? That was my number four point. I'll jump ahead oh. to that, just for that. The Cobra painted on the nose of the high-speed train was a nice garish touch. Uh, it made me think of of those those cool vans you saw in the 70s with like the airbrushed painting on the side yes. of Tolkien characters yes. or dragons or stuff like that. <laughs> so I like, to, I, like, I like to think that Cobra has an airbrush division that's just <laughs> smoking a lot of weed and just spraying stuff. Finally, we get to step up and show off our, our skills for the organization. Um, but my question is, um, um, you know, how exactly did Fort Knox become the default U.S. Army fort for cartoons? 
because I seem to remember it popping up a lot in cartoons of the 70s and 80s. Uh, I think it may be because the writers of the cartoons were big Ian Fleming fans and Fort Knox just became ingrained uh, in the consciousness because of Goldfinger. Um, but did they, and by extension, Cobra not realize that the U.S. abandoned the gold standard by the 1980s and thus their plan to bankrupt the country by stealing their gold was doomed to fail? Because everybody knows the way you bankrupt a country is through runaway debt and shrinking the middle class. But that's a little too complex for Cobra to uh, <laughs> to manage. But, so I'm not going to make it. <laughs> but you know, ultimately, the, the best thing about this uh, this episode is we answer the question of how thick headed Gung Ho is. Because after falling off a horse and landing on his skull and not being paralyzed from neck down, he's a tough. He is a tough hombre. <laughs> he is he is a United States Marine, and 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 we we say Semper Fi to that and Yojo, indeed. Exactly. <laughs> Well, he only fell off the horse because of nothing. <laughs> oh, He's got an inner ear infection. <laughs> okay, and now it's my turn. Again, I, I'm going to follow up with Jared, and I have nine points also on my list. Nice. So maybe repeats, but that's all right. Uh, so, yeah, Jared said so this reminds him of, what was it, Goldfinger? To me, this makes me think of Die Hard 3. Which, of course, came out after this, but, again, stealing all the gold in Fort Knox. Yes, I'm going to comment also, Snake Eyes in Disguise. I, I don't know about <laughs> They didn't have the rubber mask for him. I, Snake Eyes doesn't do disguise as a normal person very well with his mask on. Uh, Duke ran off to capture Major Blood. Why did I sense that Duke was going to be captured all of a sudden? That was my <laughs> I was really worried about Duke being captured. <laughs> Duke, you're going to get captured. But no, instead he wanders in front of the safe where the bomb's at, and, and the bomb goes off. And again, he's knocked down, but he's able to get up and no hearing loss, no, you know, damage from the shrapnel or damn, he's tough. Uh, Maybe he did stand in a safe place. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it was the perfect combination of things. <laughs> Two safe jokes. Oh, uh, you're on a roll, Jared. You're throwing up the door. I'll go back on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we uh, Brad talked about General Stack. Uh, Zartan takes General Stack, and from the, the continuity of the scene, it's right in front of all the men that were staring at him. Because all the men were like in a circle around the, the door. He was falling the Joes out, and as he comes back, Zartan pops up out of the manhole the floor and takes them. Why didn't anyone see this? It's like it was a separate room. It's not like there was a blinders or anything there. They were all facing that way. I don't know. It's like, I don't Maybe it's, you know, you get bored sometimes with soldier duty and then maybe they saw it happen. They're like, well, that was a hell of a thing. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> or maybe they didn't like general snack that much. Well, that may be it. <laughs> Oh, and thank you, Brad. Now I can call him nothing but General Snack. <laughs> General Snack. <laughs> now and forever. And we can tell this is the cartoon because the Cobras are able to surround Snake Eyes so quickly. Because one second they're not there, all of a sudden Zartan pulls off his mask. Again, kind of a needless reveal. And then they're surrounded by Cobras. And also, they really need to work on their, their uh, rifle skills. Point blank range... They're in a circle around the Joes. In a circle. Range, and not a single person gets hit. Joe, Cobra, no one gets hit. We are really bad. 
<laughs> it was only then did Cobra realize they brought their training ammunition. <laughs> Why do we bring blanks? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, you guys have both mentioned this, the Cobra bullets. I'm going to say something you guys didn't say. Another missed toy opportunity. That would have been a nice toy. What, the yeah. train? Yes. Oh, heck yeah. Yes, that would have been a very nice toy. At least the, the, there was yeah. some. Was there it? was a there was a GI Joe train set. Did it look like the, the this? It was not. It was. It was not. It was not. It didn't look like this, and it wasn't like the three three quarter inch figure. It was like a train set that was a. If you look it up yeah. online, I you can it. find it out there. <laughs> I Jared, own it. Jared owns it. <laughs> yeah, there I found go. it at a yard sale, and I was like, "What is this?" Because it, it's a train set anything. more in the in the sense of a train set. Um, yeah. it's made by like Tyco or I can't remember what company made it, but yeah, they're more in the scale of. Little plastic army men, actually, mm-hmm. maybe even a little smaller than that. But yeah, it's a train set, but it's just been branded GI Joe, and it's really. I'm sorry, it got me fired up because it's really just quite cool. The box art alone is what makes it yeah, work. It's, it's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Fact, I'll throw a picture of that up on the on the Facebook group. Uh, yes, it was Tyco. Dang, I knew it. Yeah, it's out in my building somewhere. Uh, I'm not showing it the love it deserves. I almost um, like, I, like I said, I almost want to just cut off the top of the box and just have that framed. It's gorgeous. No, no. The, the the box art is like a thing of beauty for all the G.I. Joe stuff. They really they really brought it back in the day. It's kind of sad going to the toy section of a of a uh, department store now and just seeing very uncreative box art. But yeah, no, I meant a, a toy of the Oh yeah, yeah. Cobras right, yeah, yeah. the bullet train. So we needed a G.I. Jane, the ship. Yeah. We needed a, a, a C one thirty and we need a train, a corporate train. Absolutely. Yep, yeah, yep. I, I, I can see it. <laughs> uh, and I do like the line that I, I forget who it made now, but when they walked into Fort Knox and as empty as a poor man's wallet, that made me chuckle. <laughs> <laughs> Very fitting. But I was wondering, maybe Jared was writing those lines. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> come on. My, my buns are worse than that. Yeah. Oh, um, but yeah, no, I say it was it was a fun, fun little romp, and like Brad said, it was more grounded. I mean, it's as grounded as this cartoon gets. Yeah, other than you know Duke taking the blow of the safe right next to him and Gung Ho falling off the horse repeatedly onto his head uh, and not being paralyzed. Other than that, it was, it was grounded again in quotes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a fun little romp. I enjoyed it. Uh, some of the episodes aren't as good as others. This is probably, I don't know, probably right about in the middle. Not one of my favorite episodes, but, but by all means, nowhere near the worst. So, no. uh, but yeah, that's going to do it for the uh, cartoon. Unless you guys have any more thoughts, Jared, any other thoughts on the cartoon? Oh, just, you know, as usual, we, we like to make fun and jokes and, and whatnot. But in the end, these are what they are and they're charming and we love them as kids. And it's clear that the that the writers probably mix a little bit of Fleming with a little bit of uh, a Western, you know, a, a horse to, to train robbery style thing. And, you know, I give them props for putting that fun setting in there. So just, we, we do this reminder every episode, but yeah, we sit here, we make fun, but in the end it's charming and we like it. Oh, very much so. And Brad, any final thoughts on the cartoon? Well, echoing what Jared said, we may we may throw a little shade at the cartoon, but we totally do it out of a, of love 
for the cartoon and for GI Joe and as well. There's, I, I, I cannot really think of any better way to spend an afternoon, even now, just throwing on a, a GI Joe episode and uh, and watching it. I'll confess, my kid, who's five, watched this with me, and I said, "Oh, you should watch this with me because he is really into trains." So there was something kind of nice about watching a cartoon with him that I first watched when I was a kid. So. Uh, so we had a nice little father-son moment there. And, you know, really, I think the ba- basic straightforward action episodes do work best because that's what we're watching after school in 1985. You got a, mm-hmm. got a Coca-Cola classic in one hand and a box of nerds or a pack of fun dip in the other. And you're just just grooving on the sugar and on the cartoon. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, there's a, I think there's a lot of love for the cartoon. And, yeah, I agree with you guys, like uh, like Brad. My six-year-old didn't watch this episode with me, but he's watched a couple episodes with me. In fact, for his birthday in January, his birthday is January 28th, we got him, a, his mother found a tank at Walmart that we, we bought him. It's like one of those motorized tanks that move around. It's got oh. bullets out. Uh, we bought that for him. He calls it his G.I. Joe tank. <laughs> doing good. You're doing, you're doing good work. You're raising the next generation of... <laughs> Of GI Joe fans, Michelle's going to pet some, print some GI Joe stickers out and pet on it, and <laughs> GI Joe it up. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to put Jared on the spot here, but for his next birthday, see about getting a file card for your son of him as a GI Joe character, and oh. put that in a frame for him. The code name General Snacks. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> and while you're doing that, do one for me too. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, yeah, so yeah, we poke fun at the cartoon. But like I say, GI, uh, the cartoon was my entry into GI Joe. It was a lot of people's entries into GI Joe. So, like I said, no, and we've all said this. No matter how bad the cartoon gets, it's still a fun romp. It's still you know GI Joe, and no matter what, I I love this. So yeah, absolutely, the cartoon gave us cold slither. And then, yeah, you can, it can, it's immortal. It is immortal for that reason alone. Cold slither, and it gave us snake eyes and shipwreck dressed Break up. Breakdancing. Yeah. And timber. Yeah. <laughs> Breakdancing. Timber was in drag, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you can't go wrong there. But I guess that's going to do it for the cartoon. Uh, I'm going to send the guys out for their Yojo Cola break and some chocolate donuts and whatever. And we'll be right back. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Hey, Jared, I have a question. What's up? Well, I've been a part of the Longbox Crusade for about a year and a half now. Yeah? Well, that's not a question, man. I know. I'm getting to it. That was called Build Up. Like I was saying, I've been with the Longbox Crusade, and I have gone out and represented the show faithfully. That's still not a question. I'm still building up. I was wondering, could I be a part of the official promo? There's this great promo for the podcast that airs across podcast land, and it has Pat Sampson, the founder of the show, you, the art cell artist, and your brother Jason, a.k.a. Weasel Skull. But it doesn't have me, Delvin Williams. The Dark Web. Could you ask the guys if they would let me be a part of the promotion since you were the one who invited me onto the show? Well, not to be a Mr. Quick to correct, but that was at least two questions. Still, I guess I'll ask. Let me go talk to the guys and you stay here. Okay, great. Thanks, man. Hey, 
guys. Hey, what's up, Jared? What's up, Jared? I have a question. Delvin's been with us for like a year and a half. That's not a question. Uh, yeah, I know. It's called build up. Hey, can we finally include him on the promo? It's the least we can do. He doesn't know that we're getting paid yet. And he never will. I mean, do we need him? After all, we already have the Longbox Crusade. And I provide awesome synopsis and insight on Crusader Chronicles. And I host Saturday Matinee Theater and also provide these nuts jokes. Hey, I do that. Me too. So we're fine as it is. What does Delvin do? We should just let him go. Wait, he hosts Transformers Chronicles. You should know that, Pat. You're on that show. So what do you say? Can we keep him? <sighs> fine. Let's do it. Let's do it live. We could have done this with him in the room. It would have made more sense. Why is he outside? I think we were doing a bit. Okay, let's do this. The Longbox Crusade Podcast Network is the place to be if you like deep dives in the comics of yesteryear with the Longbox Crusade. Chronological reading journals with Crusader Chronicles. Indexing forgotten TV shows, films, and serials with Saturday Matinee Theater. Pitting two randomly selected action films against one another in action film face-off. Cataloging the Marvel run of the Transformers comic with Transformers Chronicles. And whatever else the demented minds of Pat, Jared, Jason, and Delvin can come up with. If that sounds like it might be for you, be sure to subscribe to The Longbox Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much all reputable podcast feeds. Or check us out directly at www.longboxcrusade.com, where we continue our quest to... Justice League International Blah Ha Ha Podcast. A new monthly show chronicling the adventures of the JLI era by Keith Giffen and J.M. DeMatteis. We'll be going issue by issue in release order, tackling the core Justice League title, Justice League Europe, and the quarterly book. Along the way, we'll take time out for special episodes covering various spin-offs, cartoon appearances, the infamous TV pilot, and much more. So join me in an ever-changing roster of guest hosts as we celebrate your favorite JLI members, such as... Martian Manhunter. Batman. Dr. Fate. Black Canary. Fire. Ice. Maxwell Lord. Oberon. Captain Marvel. Rocket Red. Captain Adam. Mr. Miracle. Guy Gardner. Booster Gold. Blue Beetle. Nort. And many, many more. Justice League International Blahaha Podcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Want to make something of it? Teddy Roosevelt, Spartacus, Julius Caesar, Babe Ruth, and Albert Einstein. What do these men all have in common? I got it. Great shoes. You know, like sandals or... Albert Einstein had great hair, but I know they were all great with the ladies. <laughs> no, well, maybe. Hmm. But no, the correct answer is that Phineas and Jeffrey met them all, plus many more. But what if the listeners don't know who Jeffrey and Phineas are? Phineas and Jeffrey? They're voyagers. You know, they travel, time travelers, travel through time, correcting history, you know, giving a little nudge where needed. You mean how Jeffrey corrects the mistakes and Phineas takes all the credit and, don't forget, all the ladies? Uh, yeah, something like that. Join Michelle and me, Aaron, monthly as we follow these two adventurers. Available on most podcatchers as Voyager's Cast and also on the Head Cast Network. And welcome back from the commercial break. While the guys are out getting their Yojo Colas or grape sodas, whatever they're getting, I'm going to bring you 
post box the pit. These are people that's either wrote in, left comments, re-liked, retweeted, re-something across the social medias. A couple (laughs) mentions. If I don't mention your name, please let me know. Also, if I butcher your name, I apologize and please let me know how to say it properly. But we're going to go ahead and read off this list. Like this is basically a long list of names. Uh, normally I do it alphabetically, but this time I'm just going to throw them out there as I've got them on my list. Uh, like I said, if I don't mention your name, let me know. And just sit back and uh, here are the people that supported us. Starting over on Facebook, we have Ryan Robert, Larry Frazier, Ray Atherton, Johnny Rodriguez, Brian Williamson, Greg Engel, Iman Well, Pepper Lewis Andino, Eric Gijinch, Yule, I'm sorry, Joe Yurdle, Mark Dowling, Joe Maros, Will Figueroa, Stephen Meyer, T. Brown, Kevin Mitchell, Savag Barsomian, Kevin Mike Lowry, Jason Burkhart, Joseph Mooney, Milton Houston, D.K. Lee, L.I.I., Travis Anton Williams, Marshall Wood, Jeremy Vance, Paul Hawkins Alfred, David Schmidt, I'm sorry, it's Dave Schmidt, Andre Harrison, Chris Eckstart, Eckstart, something like that, Joe Biondilio, Brett H. Castle, Josh Plague Dolan, Jason Smith, Joe Diberto, Luis Carlos Alvarez, James Peter Taylor, Ivan Alarando, Sean Donahue, Devin Bobbitt, Larry Williams, Kenneth Subar, Asher Becker, Patrick Jackson, Jason Alexander Vizama, David Boutwell, Sean Lanning, Lee Ong Hong, and Roy Sham. Again, if I've missed you, please let me know. Uh, but those are the people from Facebook. Now move over to the Twitters. Uh, just a few on there. Again, I'm not as active on Twitter as I probably should be. But uh, we'll see if I can change that. <laughs> uh, so again, this list is Serpentor's Lair. Jim Beard, which is a writer I've talked with before. Hey, Jim. Wesley Maisie and Jennifer Miller. Finally, I have jo- finally I've joined the 20th century or maybe the 21st century, enjoyed Instagram. I can be found on Instagram at instagram.com slash Network. So if you're on Instagram, come join us over there. I, I will try to act over there some. I'm posting pictures over there. So definitely check us out on Instagram. Uh, I've got a few people that are joined, followed, liked, or whatever. So we have Chris is on Infinite Earths, Cortland Holly 35, DC in the 80s, Delvin Ray, Yard Cell Artist, DeBears8606, that's a buddy of mine, Jason, Longbox Crusade, those guys are, Relantern HG, I don't know about that guy, uh, The Hammer Strikes, Tim Price 17, Not Brad Abraham, 559 Heat, Mike Siebert Radio. And of course, I'm saving the best for last, Moss underscore Michelle 2015. I think I know that lady. Anyways, those are all the people over on Instagram. So, yeah, check out Instagram at Headcast Network. That's going to be for all my shows, not just the G.I. Joe show. I decided to do one Instagram for everything. So if you like any of my shows, check me out over on Instagram now. Again, still on uh, Twitter. 
occasionally look into that. And again, over on Facebook, uh, join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash G.I. Joe. And before the guys come back, we're going to move on to the next segment I have is the Soldier of the Month. The Soldier of the Month is the the Joe that I think has either done something special for the show or has done something for me or, again, I'm not against bribery. No. <laughs> but no, this is just somebody that I feel deserves extra recognition for the month. Uh, this month, our Soldier of the Month is Richard L. Cox. He was the top contributor for this last 28 days on the uh, the GI Joe uh, Facebook group. He posted 14 had 14 posts. So Richard, thank you very much for for commenting for being a part of the group. I appreciate you. Uh, just a quick follow up: the next uh, the top five contributors uh, after Richard there was Orlando Wiley, Kiko D, Ken Tomlin, and Giles Gifford. Those were the top five contributors for the last eight days on my uh, Facebook group for G.I. Joe. Again, that's facebook.com slash groups slash G.I. Joe. So, Richard Cox, you are the Soldier of the Month. Us here at the G.I. Joe, Royal American Ed Cast team, we salute you. And here comes the guys back from their break. So, uh, Jared and Brad, unless you guys have any other thoughts on either the cartoon or the the comic book we talked about this episode, uh, Jared, if people want to hear more about you or hear more from you, I don't know why they would, but no, where, where, they, where can they go to hear more from Death Probe? Okay, first thing you got to do is get yourself what's called a personal computer or a PC. Uh, <laughs> some people prefer a Mac. From there, you're going to want to get what's called a LAN cable, okay? You plug the LAN cable. You know what? Let's just skip ahead. Uh, I'm on social media, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And I encourage you to check out the podcast over at the Long Box Crusade Network. Just look for Long Box Crusade, and you'll find lots of shows about comics and movies and TV and all kinds of stuff, to include G.I. Joe Chronicles, where my friend Pat and I are going through all the Devil's Do Run of comics and that is a fun time so i I like that one because i think it it shakes hands well with this while aaron's doing the old retro we're doing the post 2000 so you can get a little from column a a little from column b very nice yes i I like listening to that that show and brad if people are interested in you where can they go they can go to bradabraham.com all others are imposters or devious masters of disguise but that is where you will find me and as usual for me, you can find me on the Headcast Network. As I've said, I've got my own, I've, I've got a website devoted to it, headcastnetwork.com. I'm also over on Facebook. Uh, you can look for, what is it, facebook.com slash groups slash G.I. Joe. Join our Facebook group. Uh, we have some fun over there. Uh, if you want, you can send us an email to G.I. Joe at headcastnetwork.com. And again, check out my other shows. I have Head Speaks, where I talk about comics and anything geeky. I'm about ready to start the Power of the Atom series from DC Comics. Uh, but before that, trying to, uh, this month, my uh, Head Speaks is part of the Merry Marvel Marching Society 2021 20, crossover, where we look at a Marvel Avengers crossover. And this year, we're looking at Acts of Vengeance. So check that out. And then I've got my other shows. I've got the... Uh, 
uh, Task Force X, where I look at suicide, suicide Squad and Checkmate. I have the Starman Manhunter Hour, where I'm currently looking at the Will Payton Starman comic. I've got my me and my wife's doing the Star Bright project, where we look at the 1989-1990, for a couple years, uh, Star uh, Quantum Leap TV show. Speaking of time travel, we also have a show called Voyager's Cast, where we look at the 1982 time travel show, Voyagers. And then we have, I have Bravo Team, which is a companion show to this one, where we look at anything else G.I. Joe related. So be sure to check them out. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Be sure to check out Brad's site. Uh, he hasn't, he didn't really say anything about it, but I'm going to say it. Uh, check, read his book, Magicians Impossible. I can't stop mentioning that because I really enjoyed it. And yeah, check out the Long Box Crusade and all of their shows. I know the what was it the is it the second Saturday or third Saturday? You guys have your you're doing it live second Sunday of every yeah. month, doing it live on YouTube. Thank you. That's why I miss half of it because I forget what day it's on. <laughs> That's why we haven't <laughs> seen you in a while. Yeah, second Sunday of every month, unless it falls on a holiday, we'll bump it to the third. But yeah, check us out on YouTube, Long Box Crusade. And I guess that's going to do it for this month. Uh, we'll see you guys next month where we get the introduction of Zaymont or T- uh, Tomax and Zaymont and uh, in the comic. And Brad's sitting there laughing. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you month. won't know why I'm laughing until next episode. Next month should be fun. But that'll do it for this time. Join us in two weeks for Bravo Team. And then join us two weeks after that for this next episode of. G.I. Joe. Until next time. Yo, Yo Joe. Joe. <laughs> what? My brother's in trouble. How do you know? I know. You know those had feelings. But now it's walking real hard. Cold and tired. Evil twin brothers. Leaders of the Confederate Guard. Knock down that big wire. Hey, let's jump our bikes over it. Now, we better move it off the road. No, you better leave that power line right where it is. There's enough electricity there to fry an elephant. We didn't think it was dangerous. You'd have found out too late. Remember, never play around electrical wires or you could be playing with fire. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, a real American headcast, is available monthly on iTunes, Stitcher, and at headspeaks.com. All characters and stories are owned and trademarked by their respective owners. We claim no ownership other than our opinions. All audio and images are used for entertainment purposes and falls under fair use. We make no money from this headcast. For more of the monthly G.I. Joe, check out the IDW series. For the stories we're covering, look for the comics and trade paperbacks. Let us know what you think. Send us an email letting us know your thoughts. Joe's dismissed. Yo, Joe. I knew I shouldn't have thrown in with Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) That was your first mistake, Mr. Bond. Oh, now we lost Aaron. Now Aaron's muted. We're all muted. Yeah, I'm muted. Aaron's having a catastrophe. Catastrophe. Yes, I'm having a catastrophe over here. Are you going to let, what's the cat's name? The cat name is Eleven. 
11. Is, is, is 11 going to sit in your lap and are you going to stroke him like below, below five? No, I am not going to stroke 11. No, because no. you could. I could. You could. It's a great cat name, by the way. I like it. Well, hey, we got it. I got it from my wife for our 11th anniversary. Oh, and then she was also she's also a big fan of Stranger Things. Yeah, that's where I thought it came oh, from. Okay. Stranger Things. <laughs> I thought it was gonna. I thought it was gonna be something really morbid. Like this is the eleventh cat we've had the the previous ten met with. Well, unfortunately, could be. Well, her previous cat, whose name was Vader, because uh, we she keeps going through cats. And we're, our joke was that Vader was taking the other cats out to the back forty and just killing them off. <laughs> with his little lightsaber. Just take across the vacant lot and force choking them. Wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a, we had another cat named Crypto. Most of our animals are very geeky. <clears throat> yeah, I named my kids after comic book characters, so don't feel bad about it. <laughs> Again, you know, if you look at my kids' name, I got a Tim, Timothy Drake, Steve, Steve Rogers. Alexis, Alex Luther, and Grayson. Well done. <laughs> so, you know. We've but got uh, Jordan Scott after Hal Jordan and Alan Scott Green Lanterns, and we've got Jay West Allen after Jay Garrick, Wally West, Barry Allen. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we roll. <laughs> Very nice. Yo, Joe. Okay, my wife just told me I got so coming at one o'clock to drop off a bed frame for my son. So might take a quick pause. Pianos, bed frames. It's all happening today. I'm telling you everything's going on today. (laughs) Yo, Joe. Meanwhile, the Joes borrow some thoroughbreds to chase the bullet train. Let me try that again. Meanwhile, the Joes. Hush. You hush. Okay. (laughs) Wait a uh, Stop it. Special Burn. guest appearance by Junkyard. Yes, Junkyard said he wanted to show up. <laughs> yes, maybe that maybe maybe that's your delivery. Maybe he's alerting you to your delivery. No, he's just retarded. <laughs> or that. <laughs> Yo, Joe. Be a dog. Knock it off. Junkyard. It's a dog's name, really? Junkyard? (laughs) I don't know. Although Aaron should get down on the dog's level and growl at him like like Mutt does in the cartoon, and then they'll scare him, scare him silent. If G.I. Joe cartoons taught us anything, <laughs> how to discipline your dog. <laughs> get really close and gr- get really close to him and growl. Yo, Joe. I don't hear the dog, though. No, I haven't heard. I think he's burying it or something at this point. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe his former murderer cat <laughs> dragged, it, dragged it to the empty field. <laughs> Don't take a lot. Yo, Joe. Oh, he's back. I am back. The, the dog is suspiciously silent. Should we be concerned? No, there's nothing to be concerned about at all. Not at all. <laughs> oh. <There you> go. 
Aaron well, comes back splattered with <laughs> the dog is not a problem anymore. And I'm like, was that a gunshot or something I heard in the distance? No <laughs> what dog? You didn't hear a dog. You didn't hear a dog. It was no, a, I wouldn't use a gun. I'm no. Yeah. <laughs> we're theorizing that your 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 murderous cat returned and <laughs> <laughs> took him out. Let's go visit the vacant lot. <laughs> It's a possibility. Um, Yo, Joe. Next time, Brad and I are going to dress exactly alike. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll do the scar though. You're going to be the scar. All right, I'll do the scar. <laughs> hey, I want to see that. <laughs> and I and I have to write Jared 2.0 only backwards. <laughs> Zero. Two, point two, two, I don't know. It's hard. <laughs> Zero point two Doraj. Is that you? <laughs> Doraj. Doraj. Yeah. Doraj. Oh, oh point two Doraj. Yeah. Well, I toe, think good old good old toe jam and Xanax. <laughs> you know. As of next issue, I will tell you, as of next issue, Zartan ceases to be my least favorite Cobra character. Oh no. Yeah. How can you hate the twins? <laughs> Mother. <laughs> Okay, that's a shame. <laughs> How could you hate the twins? Oh, I don't hate them. I don't hate them. It's just with their introduction is our ten moves up a notch. Oh <laughs> to man, be my... Zartan and the twins. Oh, so sad okay. inside. Oh well, you know, and, and then in, and then in issue forty four, they we introduce Doctor Mindbender, and then it's all. <laughs> What's going on? Well, going on? as soon as you got a shirtless doctor running around <laughs> with a cape that's and a, a monocle, so question and a decision. monocle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, Joe.